Old Dominion defensive tackle Alonzo Ford commits to Penn State out of the transfer portal, and everyone's thinking, okay, this is a boost for the defensive line, at least the interior anyway, but is it enough? I think so, but... You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another Locked On Nittany Lines. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko. I am your host of the show. And thanks so much for joining me as we're going to look at plenty of things today when it comes to Penn State football, Lonzo Ford, Dante Cephas announcing, well, at least at least tweeting out, we are. So what does that mean for the defensive tackles, the interior defensive line, and then the wide receivers, have they gotten enough out of the transfer portal? Plus Penn State basketball, everything's kind of settled when it comes to Micah Shrewsbury's players, at least former anyway, right? Uh, they are either in Happy Valley or they are over at Notre Dame or elsewhere. And then we're also going to hear from Ethan Hennessy, does a great job covering the Patriot League. We're going to get a player profile on Leo O'Boyle, who comes over from Lafayette and joins Mike Rhodes and Penn State men's basketball. But first, we are starting with Alonzo Ford coming over from Old Dominion, defensive tackle for Penn State, now uh, formerly, again, a monarch. But this is a player that uh, does have some intrigue behind him. He was sought after uh, and, and a guy that Penn State desperately needs at this point, okay? Uh, Alonzo Ford comes in, you know, you're looking at that background and okay, it's not a power five conference. Uh, it, it's in the Sun Belt, right? With Old Dominion, uh, Ricky Ronnie, right? <laughs> um, so that that pipeline helps a little bit. I, I don't know that Ricky Ronnie uh, I, turned over his player, if you will, to, to Penn State. I don't think it works that way. But Alonzo Ford comes to Penn State and this is a good get for Penn State solely because Penn State needs depth still a defensive tackle. They need guys that can play in the interior because uh, if you look at some people are starting to catch on that Penn state has some of the best edge rushers in all of the country. So, so good that they are top five. Yes. Top five. I'm so I'm talking defensive end strictly and that's denied Dennis Sutton, Jop Robinson, Adisa Isaacs, Uriah Fisher, and so on and so forth with the depth that Penn state has one of the top five units in all of the country. But when it comes to the defensive interior when it comes to the defensive tackles not so much but Alonzo Ford does give you a boost you get a veteran right you're getting somebody that has years of experience playing division one college football and then next you have somebody that just has a high motor when you watch uh, when you watch someone like Alonzo Ford it, it was interesting and I'm going to get to some points here of, about his about him as a player that he'll stand out more than you might think. Like he's not just a depth piece, but it certainly helps where Penn state kind of stands after the blue and white game it, to see at least in, in comfy clothes, right? Hakeem Beeman, not again. And you have Kaziah Izzard as well. Those two guys in comfy clothes, are they hurt? Were they just sitting out? We don't, we don't know. Penn state doesn't like to share that information, but that's not good. If they're not going to be ready over the summer. And then when West Virginia rolls around, so Alonzo Ford can come in and he can play. That's the most important part. He can play. It's just a matter of how well he can play. Well, when he was with, he was an honorable mention for the all Sun Belt team just a season ago, three and a half tackles for loss. Now that's big because he is somebody, again, defensive tackles 
aren't normally going to make a lot of plays. Uh, they are going to their their job is to cause havoc. Their job is to eat double teams so that the edge rushers and the linebackers get all the fun. They get all the tackles. They get all the recognition. But essentially, the defensive interior. This is more particular for a three four defense. Penn State's going to run a four three. Might even see some three four because I thought Manny Diaz was experimenting with it a little bit in the blue and white game. Besides the point, but. Those defensive interior guys, they don't get all the glamour. They don't get all the glory because they do a lot of the dirty work. Their job is to take the center and the guard double teams and make plays. And that's something that Alonzo Ford did when he was at Old Dominion is that he would take on double teams. He was more of a nose guard and still making plays, which is big. Because again, what I'm getting at is defensive tackles traditionally don't get to make all the high-profile plays. But someone like Ford did. This is coming straight from his coach, his defensive coordinator. I have a quote. This comes from Blake Seiler. And he says, I've coached D-line. I've played D-line. And this was after the 2021 season. But for a true freshman to do what Ford did playing nose guard, I've never seen that before. That's very particular because when you play as a nose guard, he's going to move to three technique, be a defensive tackle. So he's moving a little bit over but someone who's over the center you're not making plays you yes you are causing havoc you are eating up the attention of those interior offensive linemen but for someone like Ford to do what is described right there that just tells me that he is an intelligent football player that he's cerebral so I, I'm excited for his addition but defensive depth at a defensive tackle is still very limited and that's and that's the problem it a couple, couple of freshmen aren't hurt here for Penn State, and and I can't speculate, right? We just know, we just know from the Blue and White game that Hakeem Beeman and Kaziah Inzard, they were in comfy clothes, right? That that's all we can say about that here. But defensive tackle depth is limited, and Penn State, James Franklin, time and time again, whether it was January, February, March, April, we're here in May. They're still targeting defensive tackles. So Ford definitely helps. He provides another body. He's someone, again, that is talented. And again, he's not someone that's all that big, at least from other standards, right? Because for Penn State, what they want to do is they want to have defensive tackles that are agile, that can go three downs. That's the most important part. When it becomes a passing situation, you don't want to have to completely adjust your line and roll all these guys out. You want people that can play multiple downs that can sustain drives. And that's what Alonzo Ford does. So at six foot three, 270 pounds, this is someone that fits in with what Penn state wants to do with this attacking four, three defense. And someone that I can see being a serious contributor once he gets settled in with the scheme of everything. So I, I like the move. He's not very big, but that is fine. Penn state does not need they do not need a 350-pound nose guard that is not going to win them football games because it's the type of defense that they run, okay? that That's all that has to do with. And P.J. Mustafer was very good at it, and he was the biggest being 320 pounds, right? He's more of a traditional 4-3, honestly, a 3-4 defensive end. I think that's where he's going to end up with the Denver Broncos. Again, separate thing, but that's... They, they still need more help at the end of the day. I, I think that's what this boiled down to is that if Hakeem Beeman and Kaziah Izzard, if they are dealing with serious ailments, maybe it was discipline. I can't speculate. I don't know. They didn't play in the blue and white game. That's what we do know. Alonzo Ford is a step in the right direction, but I can't say 
that it's necessarily enough. And then Dante Cephas is officially on campus, or at least Twitter indicates, right? You know, you tweet out the we are, uh, the semester's over for everybody for Penn State. Now the summer session has begun, and Dante Cephas seems to be in town. But uh, better late than never, right? Um, this is somebody that you would have liked to have on for, he, he's been verbally committed for quite some time. Uh, Penn State couldn't exactly promote him because he, he wasn't officially on campus. Uh, you could you could say that, you know, all the pundits and everybody and the reporters can say, yeah, Dante Cephas, so glad to have him. But James Franklin couldn't exactly name him, just saying, you know, we're getting that other one receiver. But that's what's interesting. Penn State had a receiver in Dante Cephas committed, and they still feel the need to go out and recruit others in the transfer portal. And that's pretty telling. Okay. What also is telling, and this is something that I've said on the show before, this is something that other people have said, Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace are the only ones that have gotten specific praise from the coaches. Uh, you ask some assistants, you ask some players, okay, you might have, uh, you know, let's take an Amari Evans, for example, they'll get, but not specifically by James Franklin, where he says, you know, who have the best receivers been? He doesn't go through a litany of them. He doesn't have a list. It's Trey Wallace and it's Keandre Lambert-Smith. And it's been that way the entire offseason. So Dante Cephas is going to come in. He's going to play. He should be a starter. It's just a matter of developing chemistry. But now we have all of May. We have June. We have July. We have August. Four months, hopefully, a veteran wide receiver, someone who was an all-MAC conference selection first team, can make some chemistry with drew aller that is the key it's not it's not about his talent it, it's strictly about what will he do uh, in the meantime with drew aller and that's really what it boils down to so but penn state's still looking for more wide receivers we know that offering various guys that have jumped in and out of the transfer portal they've committed other places but penn state would ideal you think you think that malik mclean and dante cephas would have been enough because i i said it to two but clearly, that, that's just not enough. So uh, someone that does uh, bring some intrigue here is Justin Brown, who was formerly uh, a Penn State, at least a prospect that Penn State was very interested in. Uh, he was a former three-star, and he went down to Mississippi State. He had Penn State in his top three, committed to Mississippi State, the Bulldogs. May he rest in peace. Mike Leach. But I, I think that's why he is transferring out. Mike Leach passed away. That's the coaching staff he committed to. And now Justin Brown is in the transfer portal and somebody that could commit to the Nittany Lions. Maybe could re rethink that. Solid wide receiver, okay? Uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe he reconsiders. There's really, there's no speculation. He hasn't put out any interest or said who he's been contacted by. Just that he's in the transfer portal, met the deadline April 30th. No one can go in and out anymore. They they can make the announcement that uh, the announcement came a little late for Brown, but there's no more, there's no more hopping in and out of the pen, uh, transfer portal. Penn State's team is intact. There's only going to be more additions, no more subtractions. So you don't have to worry about any football players reconsidering. This is the squad they're just going to add some more people. It is Locked On Nittany Lions, and we're talking Penn State men's basketball as we're going to welcome on Ethan Hennessy for the final segment to get a player profile for someone that was in the Patriot League, and that is Leo O'Boyle, who's joining Penn State Sharpshooter, uh, to, to say the least. He can, he can fling the basketball from anywhere outside the arc. 
Uh, and we're also going to talk about some of those former Micah Shrewsbury players as Kevin Jai has made a decision. But before we move any further for Penn State men's basketball, let's hear from our sponsor of today's episode, and that is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is right. $1,000 in bonus bets back. If your first bet does not win great promotions every day, a safe and secure app. Plus you get paid instantly. There's no waiting. So there's no play better place to bet playoff action than America's number one sports book. FanDuel visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. Check out happyvalleyinsider.com. Again, Locked On Nittany Lions, now your go-to podcast for Penn State Rivals. And Happy Valley Insider, affiliated with Penn State Rivals, is your go-to source for everything Penn State Athletics. So check it out today, happyvalleyinsider.com. Penn State men's basketball. Again, we're going to be talking Leo O'Boyle with a special guest in the final segment. But Kevin Jai is moving on. He's going to Notre Dame. It is official. He's off to South Bend. Uh, and that that's it for Micah Shrewsbury's former players, right? You had Evan Mahaffey go to Ohio State, Kanye Clary, Jamil Brown, Demetrius Lilly. Stay in Happy Valley. So think about that. Five players, at least five active college players. Uh, out of them, 60% stay with Penn State, with Mike Rhodes. So I, I think that's a win. Evan Mahaffey goes home to Ohio and Kevin Jai. out of all five of them, right? He was the only one to go to, Notre, to go to Notre Dame. So I find that very intriguing. But this is the one, right? Uh, Micah Shrewsbury was able to retain all of his recruits. Braden, there's really nothing to debate here. And it's no, obviously not disrespectful. The, you know, these conversations happened at the dinner table. There was no out-recruiting Braden's father for <laughs> to play college basketball for the next, you know, how many years, right? But Kerry Booth, someone who was a legacy, uh, it, Calvin, of course, legacy at Penn State, one of the best basketball players in Nittany Lion history. And Kerry decides to follow Micah Shrewsbury. But we know when you talk to Calvin, when you listen to dad, he says that he wants Kerry to be able to make his own decisions. He wants Kerry to make it to the NBA. And they felt that Micah Shrewsbury was the best option. So that's why they followed. And then Logan Imes, kind of the same thing from Indiana already. Um, that that Those made sense. Kerry Booth does hurt a little bit. Um, but all those recruits sticking with Micah Shrewsbury, it kind of it, it does make sense here. And from Kevin Jai's perspective, let, let's think about this. There's a lot of playing time to be had at Notre Dame with all the changing, you know, coaching staff, of course, is one thing. But... Players are moving in and out of the transfer portal for the Fighting Irish. So Kebajai, I think, sees an opportunity. At, unlike a lot of the other freshmen, aside from Kanye Clary, Clary had a, a substantial role as a true freshman. But from start to finish, Kebajai seemed to be the one that was always frequently getting the nod out of that group of freshmen in the first year. They were the ones that were, he was the one that was consistently getting onto the floor, increasing his minutes. The Big Ten tournament, I felt like he really took off, or at least you saw that development. And you were excited for year two of Kebajai. Well, Notre Dame fans can have that now, uh, unfortunately. And there's going to be a lot of minutes for him. There's going to be a lot of playing time. There's going to be opportunities for him to get better. And probably he's going to get to go back to his number four spot. 
uh, I think Micah Shrewsbury probably had that conversation with him about rather than being a forced into a five spot, you are now going to be your traditional four. And that's that's what Kebajai is, bottom line. I, I do think Kebajai gave them a chance. He gave Mike Rhodes, he gave Penn State a chance because Kebajai didn't immediately go into the transfer portal, right? He stuck around for a few days and that probably, done, you know, maybe he didn't. Maybe he just said, you know what, I'm going to... Uh, to handle my classes and then figure it out from there. But I think he had conversations with Penn State first, gave him a chance, talked to the teammates, Jimmy L. Brown, Kanye Clary, Demetrius Lilly, and that still wasn't enough. But good for him. He's going to go to Notre Dame. He's going to go to the Fighting Irish. Hopefully he doesn't succeed too much, right? Uh, but this, now Penn State's not done. They still have roster spots to fill out. And I, I think right now the front court is significantly better, at least the forwards, the wings, and down low, they are better. The backcourt could use a little, some reinforcements. And Shamari Allen just might fit the bill. For the Kansas City, from the Kansas City Ruse. Yes, that is right. University of Missouri, Kansas City. The Ruse, six foot four, 200 pound guard, entered the transfer portal. And this is somebody, I mean, I'm talking Florida, Western Kentucky, UTEP, Mississippi State, UCF, NC State, Richmond, and a bunch of other schools. I'm out of fingers, okay? I'm counting. <laughs> uh, and Penn State's just one of them. Shamari Allen fits in very well with, with this Penn State team if he's going to talk to Mike Rhodes and them. And he would actually play a significant amount of minutes. This is someone that a season before averaged close to five points a game. Okay, so why, why would Penn State be interested in somebody that only averaged five points a game for the Ruse just a, a year before the last season? Well, then he jumped to 17 points per game. Five rebounds per game, nearly three assists, two steals per game. So he's defensive minded. I really like that about him. But this is someone that can score from anywhere. He can shoot at 35% from three point line. He's a good shooter. He can drive to the basket. He's got a mid range jumper. He can create his own shot, kind of like Ace Baldwin. You could use a lot more Ace Baldwins. Those guys are good at create. Kanye Clary's good at this too. They create their own shots. So anytime you can get a player that can create their own offense, they don't need to rely on other players. Of course, you want symmetrical team basketball. You want that chemistry. But at the same time, sometimes you just need someone who can take an ISO. And Shamari Allen at least showed that very much so. Now, Allen is an intriguing case because, and I like him for the Nittany Lions because I like the way that he's developed. He's actually got a really interesting story when it comes to his basketball career. Two points per game. And he probably doesn't want me talking about this. Two points per game, his senior season in high school. How is, the, how is somebody getting power five looks when he was averaging just two points his senior season in high school? Well, then he went to prep school. He didn't give up. Then he went to JUCO. Then he ended up with uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City. And now he is looking at potentially being a starting or at least a serious contributor for a Power 5 conference team. That's incredible. That's hard work. That is determination. That is studying the game. Because also, if you notice, when he was with the Ruse the year before, right? Before he averaged 17 points, he was only averaging five. And he was playing about roughly 22 minutes, 23 minutes. Then he jumped up to over 30 minutes a game, close to 35. And that average went from five to 17. That is a player that Penn State wants. I'd be really excited if they added him to the backcourt to go along with Jameel Brown, Kanye Clary, Ace Baldwin, another veteran. Hopefully they can get him. 
but they got a lot of teams that they're going up against. And we're going to learn about another player that is already with the Penn State Nittany Lions. That is Leo O'Boyle. Ethan Hennessy is joining me to talk about his player profile in the next segment. It is Locked On Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode and joining me as a special guest to talk about the latest transfer portal commitment to Mike Rhodes and Penn State men's basketball. And that is Ethan Hennessy on the other side. College basketball journalist, everything you need to know for the Patriot League, which is why he's esteemed for this show, uh, at least for this segment, because uh, Leo O'Boyle coming over from Lafayette and Ethan, you saw him play quite a bit uh, last season and what he's done. And of course, uh, over the years, but Ethan, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. You're over in at happening hoops uh, on Twitter. And just, you know, before, before we're having this conversation, uh, it, it was really great to get the understanding of what you want to do surrounding the Patriot League. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, Zach. I, I've got a chance, you know, uh, in, in the brief time to kind of check out your stuff and, you know, really comprehensive coverage about Penn State. And I think that's that's really cool for uh, for the fan base there. Um, but, yeah, I you know, for myself, um, I, I kind of started happening hoops a number of years ago um, when I was in college at Valparaiso just because I loved college basketball. Um, I'm originally from Maryland and, and kind of when I moved back, I've been a lifelong Loyola Greyhounds fan. Um, mm -hmm. So I've luckily had the opportunity to, to kind of work a little bit in their athletic department doing stats for, for the program. Um, but I cover college basketball specifically kind of with a, a focus on mid-majors and, you know, ones particularly in the Northeast, but I've grown really passionate about the Patriot League and kind of have an aspiration to, to be the, the go-to source for Patriot League coverage. So I feel like that started towards the end of last year and I'm, looking to continue it into this upcoming year. All right. So you're the perfect expert to have on for this. And uh, Andrew Funk did this a year ago with Micah Shrewsbury. And now O'Boyle does this with Mike Rhodes coming to what, what seems to be at least every day, uh, at least every week, the, the lineup gets a little bit bigger. The lineup gets a little bit better metaphorically and literally and metaphorically. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and now you add O'Boyle into the equation who is a great shooter you know, average double digit points a season ago and has gotten better each, each and every season has one year of eligibility left. Ethan, why Penn state? Why does this move make sense for both O'Boyle and Penn state? Yeah. Well, I mean, for O'Boyle, I mean, for, for Penn state, first we'll start with, as you said, they had Andrew Funk there last year um, from Bucknell and, you know, potentially it looks like they might be establishing just a, a Patriot league pipeline of, of sharpshooters Um I think that for Penn State, it makes sense. They add shooting. That's O'Boyle's specialty. Um, he's not like an incredibly athletic player. He doesn't mm -hmm. he doesn't do a whole lot superbly well aside from shooting, but he's just a marksman, um, particularly from three. And I think that, you know, he's got some size too. He can rebound a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be a good fit for Penn State and allow them to really space the ball on offense. Um, I expect him to hit, you know, probably four to – you know, you know, three, three to five threes a game, maybe um, if they can get him some space, uh, you know, athletic, I had a chance to see him three times this year um, when they were playing, when Lafayette was playing central Connecticut state down here in Baltimore, when he came to Loyola. And then I went up to Lafayette for the Patriot league semifinal game against the American. Um, and, you know, particularly in, in the last game, you know, that I saw him there against the American um, he just looked really comfortable. Um, and, I, I, I do wonder a little bit how much kind of his skill set is going to translate. Cause obviously he played pretty well against Patriot league competition, but it is 
certainly a, a big step up when you're playing in the Big Ten. And I think that, you know, while he was like the first or second option for Lafayette, uh, he'll definitely be more of a role player for Penn State. But I think he can fit into that role, and I think he'll play it well. Yeah, he was someone that shot over 40% from three, averaged over 11 points per game a season ago. But as you mentioned, I, I guess not necessarily your jack-of-all-trades, more of your hyper-focus to one particular skill, and that's three-point shooting. And that's something that, okay, yes, Penn State had Andrew Funk come in like this, but they had really only Seth Lundy as the other option. And so now this combination of Zach Hicks from Temple – uh, it's so the eastern side of Pennsylvania. Now they're that's where they're recruiting mm-hmm. three point shooters from, uh, and then you have Leo O'Boyle come in, uh, come into the fold as well. Because I thought, okay, if Penn State's going to add another wing type of player, I, I didn't think they'd be able to secure this just because they have so many options. So, but because he's just so talented when it comes to the marksmanship, as you said, the three point shooting, that he is going to see a good amount of playing time. It's going to be in a role type of case because what do you? Uh, expect out of him at Penn State uh, is he going to get 10 points a game is it going to be you know maybe five or six he'll hit a couple of clutch threes and then other nights he might go off for potentially 20 like he did again he did this at Lafayette he had some really good games down the stretch uh, at the end of last season yeah yeah just just what you said there Zach you know he has the ability to go off and score in bunches um, I was kind of going back and looking at you know his stats for the past season or two and he's he's a streaky scorer. So he'll have some games yeah. where he'll score, you know, 18, 20, 22, and then other games where, you know, it's six, seven, nine points, um, really seemingly without any rhyme or reason. Because uh, I was even looking, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter if it's a high major opponent or a mid-major opponent at home or on the road. Um, he just kind of goes up and down. And so I anticipate that'll be the case at Penn State too. I could see him having a couple breakout games in conference play, um, you know, and folks maybe uh, from other fan bases being surprised. Who Who is this Leo O'Boyle that, you know, just dropped 17 on us? Um, but he, he'll probably also have a couple games where, you know, he's just not hitting and it's below below average scoring. As we talked about a little bit earlier, there's not a whole lot to, con- to, to contribute. Elsewise, he can put the ball, you know, on the floor and drive it a little bit. He can rebound a little, but he's not he's not a great passer, um, but being a grad transfer, he's been around college basketball for a while. And obviously, you know, in college basketball these days, coaching staffs are wanting to get old and stay old. So that, that proves a benefit as well. Yeah. Penn state's team, at least for this season is going to have a lot of veterans. I mean, they do have some of the returners coming back. The guys that stayed from Micah Shrewsbury's class, be it a Kanye Clary or a Jameel Brown, but a lot of these guys are junior seniors with, one to two years of eligibility left. So ultimately, what would you say is your prediction for a stat line uh, on a night-to-night, day-to-day basis for O'Boyle when he's in blue and white? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I'd i say, you know, probably, you know, maybe like 12 points, um, you know, maybe three threes, uh, probably two or three rebounds, a couple of assists. Um, I, I'd say that would be probably an average stat line for Leo O'Boyle in, in a Penn State uniform. Does he project as someone that can be in the starting five or is he a sixth or seventh man off the bench? That's a good question. I, I would have to say it maybe, you know, depends on the rest of the roster. I'm not sure. I, I I personally am not really an expert in Penn state as much as you are obviously. So I don't know the rest of the roster, but I would say somewhere in that, like, you know, if I had to take a guess, maybe sixth or seventh. um, Yeah. 
All right. No, fair to say, because I, I look at that's what I mean. I looked at that lineup and I'm thinking, OK, this is great that you get the reinforcements. The The more guys you have, the better equipped you're going to be for Big Ten basketball. But I just I, I thought about it, Ethan, and I said, you know, well, they already have the one. I guess you can never have too many shooters, right? Because you mm-hmm. had Zach Hicks from Temple. And I thought that Penn State, just with the way that they were going and building the wings, the forwards, getting a, a Nick Kern from from VCU and all the other guys. I mean, they have a really balanced lineup. So uh, O'Boyle definitely adds that added extra dimension that you don't have to, you don't, you can't just worry about Zach Hicks anymore on the perimeter. You also have to worry about uh, O'Boyle and what happens when they're both on the floor, right? At the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ethan, I really appreciate the time. I'm glad we got this perspective. Again, you're the Patriot League expert. Uh, everything that you do, again, you know, just tell, share everyone, uh, share with everyone what you do uh, personally and where they can find your work because you do an incredible job and you are the go-to source when it comes to Patriot League, which is where O'Boyle's coming from at Lafayette. Yeah, thank you, Zach. So, uh, you know, people can find me. Um, happeninghoops.com is where I write kind of uh, you know, my, my game recap articles. And um, I also do CBI bracketology come March. Um, I'm at happening hoops on Twitter. Um, and then the happening hoops, YouTube channel. And this off season, I'm actually interviewing all five of the new uh, Patriot league head coaches uh, at each of their respective programs. So my interview with John Griffin is already out and I'll have the other ones uh, coming up soon, but thank you, Zach. I, I really appreciate you for having me on the podcast today. No, thank you. I appreciate it, Ethan, that you were able to share some perspective about a new Penn State Nittany line. Thanks. Once again, thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, more is coming up on the show. We're going to talk extensively about footballs. The win totals out for Penn State. Can they get over nine and a half? The betting markets have it shaded that way. And we'll see which games are a, a, a toss up. And then the whiteout debate. Whiteout debate. Should be Michigan, but I don't know. I, I can't say. I, I, I knew who it's going to be. The next episode, I'm going to tell you who it is and why and why Penn State is picking them. Kind of like the way they did with Minnesota last year. So that's going to all be discussed and more. Of course, check out Happy Valley Insider, Penn State Rivals. HappyValleyInsider.com, your go-to place for everything Penn State Athletics and Locked on Nittany Lions. Now your go-to podcast for Penn State Rivals. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode. I will talk to you later.